It's an absolute delight to be with you this evening and today and tomorrow. And, you know, I don't know if I got invited. I just, I think I self-invited myself, but I don't often get invited back. So I just keep inviting myself. This is my fourth time here and it, it, we just love this place. We love the people. Uh, I don't sound like an American. I am an American. I'm proud to be an American. I'm more proud than most Americans, to be honest. Um, but I do just love this region. I love this nation. I, um, I realize we have challenges, but so does the whole world. And I'm not sure we believe the whole world has problems because we're always focusing on America's problems. And I'm just going to tell you, God has not left this nation. He has not turned his back on America. I, 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 contrary to what we've been taught, God has a plan, still a great plan, not for America, but for the church in America. And that's us. And he didn't bring us here for leftovers or second best. We left Australia to relocate, to plant a church in Denver, Colorado, 13 years ago with a heartbeat to say, God, we want to be in the sweet spot of the will of God for our lives, but also in the center of what God's doing in the world today. And God moved us to Denver, Colorado, to the United States of America in all the dramas and issues we're having. But I want to remind you this evening, God is not finished with this nation. God is looking for men and women simply to respond to what He's doing today. Not hankering for what was, not longing for something that maybe will come one day, but for people who simply can keep in step with what God's doing. And God's doing a whole lot of stuff, I think. And our job, our role is to tap into what He's doing, to accommodate what He's doing, to partner with God. I love this partnership. I don't believe man or anyone can do this alone. And so I'm grateful for the friendship and partnerships we have in the gospel. Grateful every individual in every local church. But I also want to tell you this. It all exists for something bigger than ourselves. There's a greater partnership. And that's our partnership we have with God. And this thing will always be bigger than us. And so keep in step with God. Bring your 1%. It's not even 1%, but let's go there. Our 1% linked to His 99% makes 100%. And God doesn't need anything, as Marco said earlier. God needs nothing. If He needed anything, He wouldn't be God. He would that very moment cease to be God. He doesn't need our praise. He doesn't need us to gather here. He doesn't need us to do things He wants us to do. He needs nothing. But in His divine wisdom, He handpicks and chooses and, and handpicks people from heaven for such a time as this. In all the unknowns and all the craziness and all the stuff, handpicked from heaven for such a time as this and chooses to work through us. And I wouldn't work through me and I certainly wouldn't work through you, but I'm not God. I'm not mocking. God in His wisdom says, bring what you have, your five loaves and your two fish. I want what you have in order to do what I want to do. I don't need it, but I choose to partner with you. And I think that we can sit through these times and cheer God on. We can pray and have prayer meetings, which we should, and say, God, you do it. God, you've got this. God. And God's like, of course I've got it, but I'll pick you to have it with me. Amen. And so I'm not trying to say we have the major role, but I am saying you'll struggle to find in Scripture God doing stuff without His people. When the Israelites were looking for deliverance and wanted to be set free from, from uh, Egypt, they cried out to God. And you know what God answered them? He gave them Moses to take them out. 
He picked someone to do what he wanted them to do. He didn't just say, I'm going to bring him out. He said, I'll pick Moses to lead the people out and lead them. And he always looks for people, friends. And why I'm saying that is because I think we can so undermine who God's called us to be and so downplay what we're doing, thinking it's irrelevant. In God's economy, it is most relevant. He doesn't need us, but he chooses us. And how we respond to him determines what he can do with us, in us, and through us. And so I want to commend you for being here this evening. I know you could probably be at the Gulf or... NASCAR, I heard all these wonderful challenges we face in our great nation today. But you hear, and not to hear me, I hope to hear God. And God is not silent. He's not holding out on His church. He's not being quiet. He's not being secretive. He is speaking. He's demonstrating. He's revealing. He's showing what He's about. And He's simply saying, come join me, stick with me, keep in step with me. Bring what you have and let me do the rest. And tonight we bring what we have. It's not how many people are here. It's hearts that say yes to the Lord. And one of the things I'm realizing more and more is that surrender releases His presence in us. Surrender. And how many of you know there's a lot of surrendering needed? It's that place in the kingdom where we find victory. In the kingdom, surrender is the only place where you find victory. Any other time you raise the white flag in surrender, it's defeat. But the only place when you raise the white flag in surrender, the only place you find victory in surrender is in the kingdom of God. And so tonight, maybe some of the steps are some surrenderings to say, Lord, I raise the white flag. I'm not doing this on my own. I'm not going to try and do this thing. I'm not holding in and holding on. I want to be who you've called me to be. I want to do this in your power, in your strength, with you, doing what you told me to do. So surrender is awesome. And surrender, I believe, brings His presence or His power or His uh, presence in us. But obedience releases His presence through us. In and through. Surrender in obedience through. And I believe tonight God wants some surrendering and obeying so He can release in us and release through us as we go and be the people God's called us to be. I'm going to ask you quickly to read with me 1 Corinthians chapter 16. And I'm going to kick us off this evening and just kind of pitch something that I know is not new to probably anyone in this room. I'm hoping it's not. But I do think that uh, we've been through some crazy seasons. And this season we've been through and would seem even continue to go through is pretty crazy. You know, uh, those of us who've studied and went to Bible college and seminary, they never taught you how to lead a church through COVID. Pandemics, it just wasn't there. Like we just, we all had to find a way. Some of us, how do we live through this? And, and history shows us we can live, but not just make it. We can thrive and actually impact and understand the, the seasons we're in. But it's been crazy, right? I mean, America, you, it doesn't matter how old you are in this room. You've never experienced what we've experienced. Again, handpicked from heaven for such a time as this. God knew that this thing was coming. I don't believe God sent COVID. I just want you to know that. And if you do, you're wrong, but we can still be friends. I know where it came from, and I'm not going to go there, but it wasn't from God, just so. It wasn't made in heaven, just so you know. Probably lost half of you right there, but it it wasn't. And I'm not saying where it was made, just God never sent COVID. But this I do know, God allowed COVID. 
And the reason I know that is because that crazy season came, God allowed it. And God took a crazy season like that to shake things up and sort some stuff out. God always, we love to, God turns all the plans for the good and we love quoting that, but God does take the bad stuff and uses it to shake things up and to reveal what's truly happening in and through His local church. And we got exposed, the church in America, we got exposed through COVID, not just to COVID, but the foundations of the church were revealed. His shaking reveals what we are anchored to. We don't know what we're anchored to till there's a bit of shaking. And then the shaking reveals, okay, that's where. And the foundation of the church, we were more loyal to parties and loyal to leadership and to ministries and to the church and everything but Christ. And then boom, boom, a bit of shaking and boom, there it is. Okay, bring back the foundation of the church. Jesus Christ, the central theme, focus to everything. Without Christ, it all comes down. And so we, we've come through that a bit and now we're back on and I'm watching the church get busy and the people of God getting busy with church stuff again and getting back to the stuff pre-COVID thinking, let's go back there. God's brought us here. He's shaken some stuff up to get us back to what He wants us to do rather than just do our thing and hope God's in it. And so it's been a crazy season. And this verse, these few verses that, that Paul's highlighting in his closing statements, and, and I'm going to probably offend some of you because I'm going to read from the message, all right? And it's not because I'm compromising. <laughs> I just like the way Eugene Peterson puts this. And in 1 Corinthians 16, verse 13 and 14, he says this, Keep your eyes open. Hold tight to your convictions. Give it all you've got. Be resolute and love without stopping. Keep your eyes open. Hold tight to your convictions. Give it all you've got. Be resolute and love without stopping. Can you imagine if we take those five or six commands and live them out every single day? Think about how the lives of people in this region and in this nation and the nations of the world will be different by this handful of people who simply say, this is what we're going to do. We need to hold on to our convictions. We don't just have beliefs. We need convictions. Our beliefs I've been shaken. What we believe has been shaken. And, and, and someone said this, that beliefs you hold on to, but convictions hold on to you. And we've seen, and I'm not throwing rocks and pointing fingers, we've seen church leaders and people and followers of Jesus literally get derailed in this season because it wasn't conviction, it was a belief. But we've got to hold on, friends, not for dear life, but hold on to our convictions. We've got to, absolutely give it all we've got. We've got to be resolute and we've got to love without stopping. This season requires us to live and lead with clarity. There is more confusion today than I think we've ever had. And it's just like everybody has an opinion and this great country we live in, that's part of our privilege of being Americans is we get to say, we used to be able to say whatever we want. <laughs> You get to say, what it, I mean, that's what I love. When I was sworn in in 2008 as a U.S. citizen, 
I became a U.S. citizen. I was able to put my hand or whatever on that. I swear to me. And they said, the greatest privilege you have as an American is you have a voice. You make it heard. And it ex- helped me explain the mindset of Americans because, my goodness, Americans can tell us and have an opinion about everything. Just while I'm here, Texas at another level, just so you know. <laughs> but it's your right. It's a God-given right. It's part of being an American. Vote. You have a say. And, and, I, and I'm not getting political. It's just, Wow. It's an amazing, but, but let me tell you, we have so many opinions from the pulpit and in the church and, 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 and that's cool, but it's getting in the way of what God's saying. We need convictions, not opinions. <laughs> social media, while we're there, I mean, I'm getting in serious trouble. Yeah, but careful what you do on social media. We've taken each other out on social media. The church has literally divided through social media over this last season. We've allowed the cultural wars to get in the church where we are fighting each other, unliking, defollowing, unfollowing stuff. And the devil's loving it. Because he's raging and the church is just taking each other out. Stop. Look. See. Open your eyes. See what it is God's doing. In Proverbs 29 verse 18, we know this text really well. And it says this, where there is no vision, the people perish. Some versions say where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint. Eugene Peterson's version says when people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. But when they attend to what God reveals, that's where they're most blessed. See, ignorance is not bliss. We've got to know what God's doing. And so we need clarity. We need clarity. We need to blow a certain trumpet as God's people. Not an uncertain trumpet, a certain trumpet. Clarity. We need conviction. We read that. We need consistency. How many of you know, regardless of the seasons that come our way, they should not define who we are. Our belief, our convictions define who we are. We can't be up and down like the weather. We've got to be a people who are consistent in all seasons, because that's what God's called us to. We've got to read the seasons. We've got to understand what God's doing in our seasons. I believe that's what He's requiring of us. And may I suggest we are called to complete the task. I've said this recently. I'm a big believer in finishing the race. I mean, Ryan over there, he wrote a book on my behalf. Apparently, I wrote the book, but he wrote it on my behalf, took my notes on finishing the race. I'm so convinced we're called to finish the race. But here's what I've realized. I've been so focused on finishing the race. I'm so focused on crossing that line and making sure I finish the race that I forgot there's another side to that calling as also to complete the task. And if you're so focused on finishing the race, you're missing the call you're supposed to be fulfilling as you are on your race, in your race, headed to the end. If you're just so focused on the finish, you're missing everything around us. And I think through COVID, many of us were so focused on getting out of this and getting to the next, we missed what God was doing and the people around us. As this nation shut down, whether we liked it or not, it shut down. The hearts of people opened up. And now things are open again and the hearts are closing and we're so focused on getting through it, we forgot there's a task in it to reach people that God has opened hearts to. And I want to say, let's get better at completing the task, finishing the task, finishing the race as well as completing the task. In 2019, and I've shared this here before, 
I was preaching in Toronto, Canada, and it was in October, November 2019. And one of our team guys who's on our team, a prophetic guy, one of our prophetic guys who lives in Virginia, he came to me and he said, I had this dream last night. Now, let me just tell you, prophets, and when they dream, I get nervous. And not because of what they're going to say. I'm like, what pizza did you eat last night? I'm just telling you, I know I'm supposed to be a little more spiritual, but I've been around. (laughs) So when that prophet tells me I had a dream last night, I'm like, "Uh uh-huh, great. What's coming next? And he said this, I was driving a vehicle full of people and I was driving to an NCMI, which is the team that I'm privileged to lead, an NCMI prayer meeting. And he said, when I went to the prayer meeting, I pulled over and I dropped everybody off at the prayer meeting and then I went and I parked my vehicle and then I got out my vehicle and I began walking to the prayer meeting to realize I forgot my Bible and my notes in the, in the, in the vehicle. And I went back to the vehicle and the vehicle was gone. And it wasn't because they were in Chicago, just so you know. <laughs> it was in Toronto. I guess that's even worse. But, and so he, he, this is November of 2019, pre-COVID, all right? And he said, and I woke up and here's the interpretation. So I'm like, here we go. What's coming now? And he said, I believe God's saying this, that the vehicle represents ministry and the church. And it was taken, pre-COVID. It was taken, it was gone, disappeared. And he said, and the people were dropped over at a prayer meeting. And so what I believe God's saying is that ministry was taken The vehicle was taken, but I was dropping people off at the prayer meeting. And so going forward, God's saying, 2019, that going forward is going to require prayer and the Word of God. Because the only thing I found was my Bible, not my notes. And I was on my way to a prayer meeting. And it confirmed my preaching because I was preaching on prayer. So I'm like, yeah, thank you, Lord. You just got, I had no idea. Now listen, he did not understand that things would be shut down. Now, I know that we still had church, but we had to find fresh ways and new ways to do church, have church, be church and minister, right? We all did, the whole world. But the emphasis was coming out of this going forward. It requires prayer, which is leaning on God and the Word of God, not our interpretation of Scripture, not our preaching and our points, the Word of God only. Now we're listening to people get back to their points and their message and finding scripture that backs your point. We're missing the word of God, friends. And I want to challenge us tonight. The word of God is not a random book of promises from God that you personalize for your life. And I know that offends many because we've been taught, take whatever you want, pick a scripture. It's God's promise to you. Not true. It's not. And I know it offends, but it's not. I can't walk around taking all the promises from Scripture and say they're for me because God's Word reveals God's will. The purpose of God is what's important to God. So we can't claim promises if they're not linked to His purpose because the Word of God reveals God's purpose. So we wake up every morning with the prophecies and the promises and we can buy books. And I'm not mocking great preachers from Texas here that you can buy. I'm not mocking and you wake up everyone. God loves you and there's a plan for you. And listen, I love that because it does build us up. But straight up, he didn't say that. Please come back tomorrow. Other people are preaching. <laughs> but seriously, we walk around. Yes, you can claim those promises, but those promises are linked to God's purpose. Amen. 
God owes us nothing if we're not walking in His promises. He's not going to bless you if you're not walking in it. He doesn't bless us to have. He blesses us to serve His purpose. <laughs> All right, that was quiet. It's not normal for you guys to be quiet, so be loud. But I'm not saying you can't claim the promises, but I'm saying you can't claim them. You can't say they're ours if we're not walking in the purpose of God. God is a God of purpose. The Word of God reveals the, pur- the purpose of God. And I've had to go back to Scripture and go, you know what? I need to reread the Bible, not for the promises, for the purpose of God from Genesis to Revelation. And let's get back to what God's about. Let's get on board with what God, then we can claim the promises of God and the prophecies and the prophetic words that have come about who's winning elections and all. Friends, honestly, we're in dire straits if we're trusting what man has to say about something we want rather than what is God's plan and God's purpose. All right. I believe we need to attend to what God's revealing. I do believe God's been doing stuff. And if I can confess to you this evening, I've been focused on the wrong things. I believe there have been three major things. And I've shared this before in this church. So forgive me if I'm repeating stuff. But as I prayed for this evening, and I've prayed a lot, I felt like I need to share this. I'm just going to share it and just hear it afresh. I believe three major things have been happening. A lot more than this but three major things have been happening through this crazy season. Number one, people are sinning like never before. And now people have always sinned, but they're sinning at another level, right? And it's in our government, it's in the church, it's everywhere. Sin's been exposed. And can I be honest, it seems like nobody cares. Oh, well, that's just the government. Oh, well, that's just the church. Oh, well, they're just people. God cares. It's that stuff they do and they put His Son on the cross. <laughs> And so people are sinning. Isn't it amazing that we are more fearful than holiness than we are of sinfulness? We're happy to connect with sin, but we fear the one. No, no, we need to be holy. And I'm not preaching legalism. I'm saying God is a holy God called us to be holy. Find forgiveness. If you're living in sin tonight, sort it out tonight. Don't be comfortable with sin. God's not allowing that. And so we see sin exposed. And I've been so saddened and disheartened as I've watched over these last couple of years, the world going mad and the sin sin being exposed. It's broken my heart. Leaders falling in the church. And I'm not pointing around, just people for it. Nobody cares. At the same time as the sin has been exposed more and more, we see the second thing happening at the same time is the devil's raging. He's raging. He is walking around trying to devour, according to 1 Peter chapter 5, like a lion devouring. Let me tell you, we talk about the devil as this mini wannabe, walks around with a megaphone, a mouse. I mean, I, I get that. I'm not glorifying the devil yet, but he has more than a mouse with a megaphone. He, like a lion. Now, let me just say, if you've ever been to Africa, and I recently got back there, and I was able to go to the game park. It's my dream. I just love the game. And just go sit there. And, I, lion, give me lion. I tell the driver, he's like, what do you want to see? I say, lion, just take me lion. I don't want anything. Everyone's like, no, no, no. Give me lion. That's all I want to see. If I don't see a lion, you're not getting a tip. Lion. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, okay, we'll fight. No, just give me lion. That's my thing. Lion only. I don't care about the rest. You can look at your ants and birds. Lion. And so we found some lion, and literally, I'm not trying to be we this close, and two lions just hanging out. One is just like, whoo. The other one's like, whoo. Let me tell you, when they whoo, 
Not even roar, just talk to each other. You, you just about have a heart attack. I'm not joking. The intimidation from a who. And the Bible says of the devil, he's like a roaring lion. Not he is one, he's like one, looking for people to devour. Don't play the game and think he's irrelevant. There's irrelevance. I'm not high right, but just know he's looking to take people out and he's taking people out and he's roaring and he's intimidating and he's coming at us. And he has come at the church and the church has played the game by taking each other out with him. Now, I'm going to say that's where I focus on those two things. And I've got more and more unhappy, more and more angry, more and more. I'm going to write a book and I'm going to preach this and I'm going to sit a series. And, and the Lord so wonderfully in this crazy season took me aside and said, Tyron, there's another thing happening too. People are sinning. The devil's raging. And God is shaking. God's, I'm here doing some stuff too. What I realize is I'm so focused on the two things that we're doing and others are doing and the government's doing and the people are doing and the church is doing. I miss what God's doing. God's shaking. God's doing some shaking. And shaking's a good thing if you understand why He shakes. Shaking is a good thing. God shakes to reveal what we anchored to. Shaking breaks things down. Shaking breaks things up. Shaking breaks things open. How many of you know doors have opened through COVID that were shut before COVID? And let me tell you, I've never heard to this day someone preach on God the great door closer. I've never heard that. I've always heard God's a great door opener. Revelation chapter 3 verse 7. I will open doors that no man can shut. Oh, we pray. Thank you, Lord. Great door opener. Great. But do you know that in that same verse, he, it says he shuts doors that no man can open. And anytime a door shuts, we blame the devil. Devil did that. No, God shuts doors. He's a great door opener and he's a great door closer. And the church is not reading the season. So we're trying to open doors. He's shut. And we're having prayer meetings and praying and fasting and cheering him. And say, Lord, open the door. The devil closed. And the Lord's like, I shut that door in order for you to see doors I've opened. And so my challenge to us tonight is get on board with what God's doing and realize He's opened doors as He's shut doors. And let's be better at seeing the doors He's opened so we can walk through and be more effective in what He's doing rather than try and kick down the doors that were essential in the past. He shakes to break open. He shakes to break down. He shakes to break through. I believe part of the shaking is bringing breakthrough. How many of you have seen some breakthrough in your life and in the ministry, in the church? The church has had some breakthrough through this crazy season because God has allowed some shaking. He, break, he, 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 um, he shakes to break in. I, I offend people when I say this, but I've come to a place where I want to say, what would the church look like if it was built to attract God, not just people? And I'm going to tell you this, it looked different to the church we see today. Why? Because we make it so attractive to people that I know God's everywhere theologically, but God's looking for heart, not performance, not style, not structure, heart. Yet people are looking at outward appearance. So we're attracting people and God's not there. And when the show gets shut down, guess what? The party's over. People leave the church. Why? Because the show's over. But if we connect people to God, they, the, the show's never over. Whether we gather or not, people are connected to God. Are you with me? We need to be the church that attracts God.
People will line up to come to any building, wherever we meet it, if God's truly manifesting His presence. He will be the attraction, not great preachers and great theologians and great God Himself. And so I want to say God breaks, the, shakes so He can break in. He wants His church back in this great nation of America. He wants His people back, part of His shaking. He also shakes to break out. You know, part of COVID was not to get the church online. Just so you know. It was actually to get the church out the building. All we did was go online. Now we're live streaming and everything. And I love what they've got you. I mean, this is like TBN on steroids. Like, <laughs> forgive me if that offends you, but it's like every, and I love that. I mean, welcome. But those watching should be here. They need to come back. They need to come and be part of God's people. They need to push through and be together. We need to be together, friends. God's not playing the game of go online. God's saying, I want my people together and I want my people out the doors impacting the regions and places around us. Hebrews 12, 28. Therefore, I'm just going to read a bunch of scriptures and then make a few points and we're done. All right, here we go. Hebrews 12, 28 and 29. I'm not sure if you'll keep up with me, the guys doing that, but don't worry. Let me read this to you. Hebrews 12, 28 says, Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe for our God is a consuming fire. Colossians chapter 1 verse 13, for He has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and He has brought us into the kingdom of the Son He loves in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. We've been transferred, we've been rescued from the dominion of darkness and we've been transferred or brought into the kingdom of God. Right? We believe that. More important what you get saved into than what you get saved out of. Whatever your testimony of how you got saved and what you got saved from, the more important thing is you've been saved into the kingdom. Transferred into the kingdom of light. Matthew 6, Jesus said, Seek first His kingdom, His will, and His righteousness, his way and all these things will be given to you. See, seeking the kingdom is the priority of every believer. Matthew 13 verse 44, it says, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in the field. And when a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought the field. In his joy gave up everything because he wanted the treasure that was in the field. Now, now, let me remind you, using this text, he bought the field not to have another field. He bought the field because of the treasure of the field. And some of us are so busy taking care of the field, we forgot the treasure is why you have the field. The significance of that field was the treasure, and that's why he bought it. But we're so busy with this peripheral stuff that we forget the only reason that field has any value is because of the treasure. The only reason we have value, and can I even say this, the local church has value, is because of the kingdom of God. Amen. Otherwise, we're just another great social gathering, hanging out and hoping for the best, doing our best to bless the people around. God hasn't called us to do that. He's called us to bring the kingdom of God, advance and impact and increase and do stuff and, 
And that's what we're being called to. That's the value of what we do. That's why when people lose their way, when they lose their why. The church can lose her way because we lose our why, because we forget the value we've been given is the kingdom of God. Romans 14, 17 and 18 says, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and receives human approval. Kingdom living, friends, is the central theme of the entire New Testament. Jesus spoke more in the Gospels about the kingdom than anything else. Jesus' first sermon was on the kingdom of heaven being at hand or being near, Matthew 4, verse 17. He prayed to the Father, His kingdom come on earth as the kingdom that demands repentance. Matthew 3, verse 2. It's the kingdom that Jesus explained to the bewildered disciples before Pentecost in Acts chapter 1, verse 3. It says, after his suffering, he went and presented himself and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. And he preached the kingdom for 40 days. It's the kingdom that Nicodemus was seeking at great personal risk. John 3, verse 3, Jesus said, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they're born again. It's the kingdom that is not in word but in power, according to 1 Corinthians 4 verse 20. I'm saying that to show you how important this kingdom truth is and how it is the central theme. And if Jesus made it the central theme, we best make it the central theme. It's a tag on, it's an add on, it's forgotten. And we highlight everything that's peripheral too at the expense of the main ingredient, the most important thing, the kingdom of God. And so shaking brings us back to the kingdom. Shaking reveals it's the kingdom of God that matters most. And I want to say this, and this might offend some, but please hear my heart. Read the Bible. The church is in the kingdom. And the kingdom is in the church. But the church is not the kingdom. And some have been taught that the church is the kingdom. And I'm just going to tell you, their heart's so good, their theology's wrong. I'm not challenging their heart. I'm just saying theologically they're wrong. If the church is the kingdom, then why does the church split so much? Why do people fall away? Why did 35,000 churches in this great nation shut down through COVID and never open again? 35,000 churches shut down in COVID and didn't open again. Why? Because we read the kingdom cannot be shaken. So the church can be shaken. Would you agree? I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm differentiating because it's essential to see them separate. They're inseparable, but they're not the same. And when we emphasize them as the same, can I be honest as a leader? And the, when you present the church as the kingdom, the pastor's always the king. And I mean, Marco's a good dude with all due respect. He's not a king. I just, I love you, Marco, and your elders are awesome, but you're not the king and not the boss, the CEO, or whatever we present. There's one king of this kingdom is Jesus Christ. Everybody has a role to play in this kingdom and we've got to fix it, not by talking church, by getting the church focused back on the kingdom. (laughs) Church is in the kingdom, the kingdom is in the church, but the church is not the kingdom. And the distinction between the two must be clear. But there's a mutual nature of the two. We must be held in tension. We can never separate the kingdom and the church. 
They different, but essentially inseparable. They walk together as two legs, needing each other. My two legs are not the same, but both legs are needed. And it's the best I can describe kingdom. Forgive my, my, my best here. They, they have different meanings and context. Here's what I believe. The kingdom is the purpose. The church are the people of the purpose. Are you hearing that? The kingdom's the purpose. The church are the people of the purpose. So here's what I want to say. If you preach the people as the purpose, how many of you know it's all about the people? Which is the guilty thing we have of the church today. It's all about the people. It's because we preach the people as the purpose rather than the people of the purpose have a purpose called the kingdom. And so all we're trying to do this evening and all I believe God's trying to do is just get the church to focus back on the purpose and recognize the need for each other as the people. But we've got to separate the two and realize one's in, they're both important, they're inseparable, but they're not the same thing. And I believe that the church needs to view itself again as Jesus did. We are the agent of God's mission. We're not the goal of God's mission. The church isn't the goal. We're the agent through which His kingdom comes. We're not the goal of the mission. We're the agent, the agency. That we've been called to be a people who bring the kingdom of heaven, who understand the kingdom of God in us, with us, through us. That's what God's called us to. And I love that because everybody's needed and equal in the kingdom of God. So here's what I want to say. We need a kingdom-shaped view of the church and not a church-shaped view of the kingdom. So what is the kingdom? And I, I realize there are many teachings because I've dared go listen to what people teach. It's freaking me out. No wonder no one wants to hear about the kingdom because it's so mystical and so freaky and so weird. We just ignore it because it's weird. I'm just going to tell you, I, I don't fully understand all this, but I want to tell you, the kingdom's not weird. It's not some mystical, mystified thing, hoping it, the kingdom, I think, in its simplicity is simply this, the rule and reign of God. Wherever God rules and reigns, that's the kingdom. It's the reign of God through God's people over God's place. Wherever God rules and reigns, that's His kingdom. I mean, it's more than that, but that's the simplicity of it. How, would you, so people do say, oh, you kingdom now, people. And I'm like, listen, I believe in kingdom now, but also not yet. I believe we'll fully see the kingdom come when Jesus comes back. 100% it will fully, when we go to be with Him. But let me also say, I do believe there is some kingdom now. When Jesus came to, salvation is kingdom now. When you get saved and surrender to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, He rules and reigns, the kingdom's come. If we pray for someone who's sick and they get healed, the kingdom comes. If we see a marriage restored, the kingdom comes. The rule of God. So the kingdom now and not yet. But to live for a day one day when we all get to heaven, we're missing what we've been called to extend and advance here on earth. Am I making sense, friends? So what are some of the signs or the characteristics of the kingdom? Because here we go. Okay, kingdom, I get it. What? Listen, I've been in the church 50-something years. I've heard so much teaching on kingdom, I'm so confused. I'm trying to be simple here and say, what does the Bible say? And to be honest, what are some, because all of us in this room, I guarantee we say, of course I'm kingdom. Yeah, of course. Well, how do we know? Well, I'm guessing, I think, I feel like kingdom. Our pastor talks about kingdom, so we must be kingdom. That doesn't mean anything. 
What are some of the characteristics that we could say, these are the things we see that prove, yeah, we are about the kingdom. And if we're not seeing them, let's get on about the kingdom so we will see them, so we can be successful in all seasons as God has shaken things up. So what are some of the signs or characteristics of the kingdom? Well, number one, the most important sign is the sovereignty of the king. <laughs> Listen, I've got this reputation that I talk too much about Jesus. And I'm okay with that. And I want to say to people, if you want me to stop talking about Jesus, then get the revelation of the kingdom. Because if you get revelation of the kingdom, all you're going to do is make the king the sovereign one over it all. But when we put emphasis on the church, Jesus finds a place rather than first place. And so I think the solution to stop talking about Jesus, we're all going to be absolutely enamored with Jesus if we come back to kingdom. Sovereignty of the king. So much of kingdom preaching today presents a kingdom with a vacant throne. I'm going to just tell you the only reason a kingdom has significance and value is because of the king on the throne. There is no kingdom in this truth without a king. The sovereignty of the king is the greatest sign and characteristics of any kingdom. The only value the kingdom has is the king brings that value. This is no vacant throne we're talking about. This is a throne that has the king ruling and reigning in, in absolute control of all things. He's the main son of the kingdom because he is the king of the kingdom. Here's what I want to say. If we are church focused, we are the focus. If we're kingdom focused, Jesus is the focus. And I believe that a correct view of Jesus gives us a correct view of everything else. If we get our view of Jesus wrong, every other view of anything Jesus has given us is wrong. We say this, a Christology determines our missiology and our missiology determines our ecclesiology and our ecclesiology determines our eschatology. And that simply means that our revelation of Jesus determines our mission here on earth. I can stand up here and tell you you need to be on mission and get on mission and keep cheering you, but if you get revelation of Christ, you will live for Christ and live on mission day in and day out. And the mission determines the church. The church isn't a social gathering of hangouts on Sunday. It's a people on mission getting on with the call and the call, the job that God has for us. It's revelation of Jesus determines the mission. The mission determines the church. And the church, in a sense, determines the role that we play in the end times. And I know there are people in this room who have a different view on end times. But I'm going to say this to you. Your view of end times is wrong if you have a wrong view of Jesus. You have a misinterpreted view of end times if your view of Jesus is wrong. Your view of Jesus gives you the right view of everything else. And that's why the devil has worked so hard to reduce Jesus to a wannabe, a great philosopher, an add-on, a tag-on, rather than the king of this kingdom who's sovereign in everything. We need to keep coming back to the Jesus of the Bible. Not the Jesus of this American culture. He's not an American Jesus. He's the Jesus of the Bible. And the Bible says in Colossians chapter 1 verse 17, the supremacy of Christ. It says that He is before all things. In Him all things hold together. 
He is the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead. So that in everything, all things, He will have supremacy first place. He's preeminent. He's not a mascot. He's our master. He's not ornamental. He's fundamental. These are not cliches. These are radical words that differentiate between a genuine kingdom understanding and a tag on Jesus who fits around me when I need him. And now we have Easter and Christmas and we suddenly remember Jesus. It all revolves around Jesus. That's the main sign of the kingdom, friends. And so when we lose that, we lose the value of any kingdom. I'm preaching to the mostly converted, but we cannot tag Jesus on and add Jesus. He's the central theme and focus to everything. Without Him, you have no value. Even if you're doing stuff for Him, it has no value if it's not connected to Him and under Him is where the value comes. He's the main one. It's not Jesus and justice. It's not Jesus and church planting. It's not Jesus and the Great Commission. It's Jesus then everything. If it's and, what I've realized, if you put it next to Jesus, even that God-given cause that you're carrying tonight, if it's from God and if it's next to Jesus, listen please, it will take the place of Jesus every time. But if it's under Jesus, it has value and Jesus gets glorified in everything we say. Hard to believe we have to talk about this in the church today. But the church has lost her way because she's lost the value of the kingdom because she's lost the value of the king. And you're going to struggle to find anything else in Scripture. Jesus doesn't have a place. He has first place. You know, ornamental. My friend talked about ornamental and fundamental. And I think ornamental, we put Jesus, if he's ornamental, we fit him in where we want him. And we're really good at doing that. But if he's fundamental, we fit around him. He doesn't fit around can't be part of a kingdom if you haven't submitted to a king. So how? By seeking the governing of the king. He governs over us. Let me ask you honestly this evening, are you truly submitted to Jesus? Not did you have a moment where you got saved. Are you walking under the lordship of Jesus Christ today? Truly surrendered and submitted to Jesus. I use this illustration, Jesus sitting with his disciples, you know the story, and, and he's like reading, um, the, it's the last supper, and he's about to be betrayed by one of his disciples, and he's sitting there, and he says, one of you betray me, I mean, think about it, I, I often think if I was in that room, I'd beat every one of those disciples up, which one is it? I knew it's you, Marco, I knew it was you, I'd be looking around going, I'm offended, who is it? Who, just confess so we can beat you up, leave Jesus alone. But he went around and said, one of you in this room will betray me. And they're like, oh, surely. And one by one, surely not I, uh, Lord. Surely not me, Lord. Surely not me, Lord. Not I, Lord. And Judas said, surely not I, Rabbi. Everyone else saw Jesus as Lord. He saw him as Jesus as teacher. He's the one who betrayed him. It's easier to betray Jesus when you don't see him as Lord. I'm just saying, it's not one day I got saved and He became my Lord. He's still Lord. He's the central theme and focus because we are kingdom understanding. Then Jesus is first in everything. In everything. In all things. Not only is He governing us, but He's also guiding us. Are you being guided by the King tonight? 
not to feel bad, to be challenged. Then COVID suddenly hit and then we were able to meet again. It was so wonderful. I've told the story. It was like just to be together. I wish for those days again. People were wild by anything you said because you're allowed to be together. I mean, the worship was, we were in those meetings and I'm telling you, it was like for me, heaven on earth. This is heaven right here. This is, and I was sitting at the back and we were worshiping. And listen, it was one of those moments. The musicians were on their knees. They weren't like honoring themselves. They were honoring God. They were wild. The scriptures, the young and old people on their knees are reading the book of Revelation. I'm just, I'm standing in the back and this must be so pleasing to you, Lord, because I'm so pleased by what I see. And I felt the Lord drop into my heart. Luke chapter 6, verse 46. What is that? I'll go read it. Why do you call me Lord and do not do what I say? I mean, friends, I, I, I'm telling you, we can have moments on our knees saying, Lord, you're awesome. We're wonderful. You, Lord, you're creation worships you, you and we can walk out of those doors and do our own thing you can't call him lord if you're not doing what he's told you to do gathering for the king we don't gather for each other we don't gather for names and for the king these gather church not to extend our church for the king growing for the king we want to grow up and we want to grow out and be but for the king not so we look successful glory for the king everything bringing glory to him. Now, Matthew chapter 16, many of us know the text, and just give me a bit of leeway here, but Jesus was asking, what do people out there say about me? Not about you, not the church disciples, me, the king. What are they saying about me? They say, well, some say you're John the Baptist, some say Elijah, Elijah, Elisha, one of the prophets. In other words, you're a good guy doing some good stuff. Now, if I was Jesus, I'd be pretty ticked off because that's not who he was. I would say, let me pause here, wait here. Let me go blow up the world and show them who I am. Then I'll, He didn't do that. Why? Because he wasn't concerned about them. He said, okay, what about you, my disciples, my followers? Who do you say that I am? Peter said, you're the Christ, you're the Messiah, you're the, you're the son of the living God. And Jesus looked at him and said, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. That did not come on you. Imagine the church being built on a man with all due respect. I don't care how good of a man you are. The church is over if it's built on a man. He said, built on the revelation of me, I'm building my church. It's built on me, not you, but your revelation of me is the church that I'm building. Right? And then he says, and I give you the keys not of the, uh, to the kingdom, keys of the kingdom. So I kind of think what he's saying is now that you know who I am, let me tell you who you are. Let me tell you about the church I'm building. And because of your revelation of me, I can trust you with the keys of the kingdom. You're not going to take the glory because you've seen who is the king. Here are the keys. Go and advance my kingdom. And we sit in this room saying, give us more. But it's not based on your faithfulness just to him. Your faithfulness of your revelation. Can we be trusted because of the sovereignty of the understanding of who Jesus is in our life? Not telling others, in your own life, you cannot be trusted if you're not faithful with the revelation. Jesus is a sign of the kingdom, is spreading the gospel. Kingdom people, you know what they do? They tell people about their king. Not about their church, about the king. Matthew 24, verse 14, Jesus said this, all these things will begin to happen as signs that the end is near. But then he said, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. Now, there's some who believe that's already happened, and there's some who believe that's still to happen. And it doesn't matter what you believe, but this I want to tell you, this is not a command from him. This is a promise. And the promise is this gospel will go to everyone before I return. But it's not a gospel of the church or come hear my pastor preach about Jesus. It's the gospel of the kingdom. 
kingdom people tell people about their king. We don't need evangelists to stir us up and make us feel bad because we're not talking. It's something that you grip by when you understand kingdom. I want to tell people about my king. I sit on there and talk to me. And when you talk to them, you don't talk about your ministry or your church or who you're You talk about Jesus. And they say to me, I've been listening to you for five hours, sir. You've not told me the name of your church, the name of your ministry. All you've talked about is Jesus. I said, guilty as charged. That's my job, to tell you about my king. Kingdom people tell people about their king. Charles Spurgeon says, the whole business of the whole church to tell the whole world, the whole gospel to the whole world. Whole business of the whole church to preach the whole gospel to the whole world. Can I just say, saying preach the gospel and if necessary use words. <laughs> I understand what St. Francis of Assisi was saying, but can I just tell you, biblically he's wrong. I know what he was saying is like, we need to live out what we preach. And I agree called to de declare it. It's kind of like saying, let's go feed the hungry tonight. And by, if necessary, let's give them some food. They need food. People need the good news. Of course, we've got to live it, but we best go and declare it. Our job as kingdom people is to declare the good news of Jesus Christ. Gospel is not about making bad people good. It's about taking dead people and making them alive. I'm just going to say, if we don't scatter seed, God will scatter us. Can I say missions is for amateurs, not professionals. And this gospel is meant to be gossiped. So if you like to gossip, here's the one thing you only allow to gossip. God hates gossip, Bibles. But gossip about Jesus. Go talk about Him. That's our job. And a partial commission is not a great commission. It's a gospel to all nations in this region this nation and somewhere else i'm serious i mean i get it maybe i'm going to step on some toes here but please hear my heart i've watched this if we are church focused then we kind of hope for people to get healed but if they don't it doesn't matter it's like okay we want you to be healed we don't want you to carry the but if you don't get healed oh god's best god kingdom people are like listen it's a demonstration of the kingdom we need God to reveal himself to people. We need a demonstration. If I can talk people into this kingdom, which I've tried and I've done, anyone else can talk them out of this kingdom. But when God reveals his power and demonstrates power, people, are, they, 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 they have to decide for themselves. And I want to tell you this, that signs and wonders and miracles are part of kingdom understanding. And not for the chosen few who are anointed and are preachers, it's kingdom people can lay hands on sick people and see them healed, see them delivered. And I know you've been taught that that's wrong. It's not wrong. Biblically, those people who taught you, and I know that it's kind of freaky and weird and we don't always understand it, but God wants to demonstrate himself to America. There's a young people, a generation rising up who are hungry. God wants to demonstrate and he's looking for his people, his church, just to say, I'm going to step out in faith. I don't have the gift to heal. God can heal. God wants to show the world he's alive. How did he go about convincing and proving he was alive? We've got to go back convincing and proving he's alive. Are you okay with this? Kingdom people, signs and wonders and miracles are a major part of kingdom people. It's not the focus, but it emphasizes and points towards Jesus. It's a sign of Jesus. Zechariah 4.6, not by might, 
You know what the context was? He was speaking to King Cyrus. It's not by the might of your people. Now, please hear this, because today we're still here. How big's your church? Church too big, not big enough. We've got to be bigger. I'm just going to tell you, you could be Not by might, nor by power. What was he saying? It's not by your authority as the king and your position as King Cyrus. Your might, your people, and your position is not going to be enough. It's by my spirit, says the Lord. Note that it's His Spirit. And I say that because there's a lot of other spirits that we see in the church. It's scary. I I, kind of think we're more dominated by the Spirit of this age than we are by the Spirit of Christ in the church. And you know why? That's why we get into the battles we're not called to fight and get into fighting the cultures. And friends, honestly, we've been called to walk in the power of God. I know you probably hate me for saying that. Philip Bianchi said this, a society that denies the super, we take people and personalities and we put them as supernatural status. Pastors and preachers and evangelists and book writers. And we talk about the conferences we went to and the people who preach rather than the king they represent. We're following after a man, a man of God or a woman of God at the expense of God himself. We've taken natural and put them at supernatural status because we've rejected the supernatural. God help us to see God as the supernatural one and to make room for the Holy Spirit to absolutely operate in and through our lives together. Duncan Morgan said, the kingdom of God is not going to be advanced by our churches becoming filled with people, but by people in our churches becoming filled with God. Number four, salvation through being born again. People tell me, they come see you. I've had pastors who come and tell me, I'm struggling, I'm not sure if I'm saved. And I get it because it's the doubt. And I say this to them, if you have done anything to be saved, you better question your salvation. If salvation is based on you, best you question. If salvation is based on the finished work of Jesus Christ and you've put your faith in Jesus and the work of Christ, then you should not question your salvation. But I want to say this. There's a lot of talk about salvation, not enough talk about being born again. And there's a difference. Jesus said in John chapter 3, verse 3 to Nicodemus, no one can see the kingdom unless they're born again. I think why the church struggles to even understand kingdoms is because we haven't understood being born again. We just are saved by believing and trusting and now walking in. And I want to just say there is that salvation, of course. I'm not, but I think we've got to get back to being born again. It's understanding I'm not a bad dude who's been made good. I'm a dead guy who's been made alive. I'm not a, you know, and I, and I know some of you are going to get offended. Just hear my heart. We've got to stop talking around I'm a sinner saved by grace. You're not a sinner. And I understand we're trying to like, be humble, but you're not that person. So stop saying who you were. If this shirt we used to be red and now dyed it black, imagine me standing and say, you know, my red shirt that used to be, my black shirt that used to be red. No, this is a black shirt. Silly illustration, but I don't reference what it was. We've got to reference what we are. We're not bad being made good. We're dead being made alive. I'm not, no longer, I'm born from above. I'm in 2 Corinthians 5.17, a new creation. 
So when I meet people, listen, I've had some history too. Trust me, just because I was born into the church made, did not make me a believer or a Christian. I've got a history, a pretty bad history. And I walk through malls in regions in Australia and I hide because I bump into people from my past. I don't want to, that's why I'm not a... And when I meet those people, they want to remind me of what I was. I remember you. And I'm like, that's not who I am. Don't even reference, I'm born again. Am I making sense, friends? I'm not questioning salvation. We've just got to come back to the language of Scripture. Born again. You're born again. When you get saved, you're born again. You're a new creation. You don't have to jump through hoops to get to where you start as a new person. You are born from above. You inherit the DNA of your Father. You inherit the blessing of the Father. And that's when you begin to see more of the kingdom of God. This understanding of rebirth is critical for understanding of the kingdom. Children inherit the attributes of their parents. To be a child of God is no small thing. Kingdom people, can I say this? We don't live at the foot of the cross. We live at the feet of Jesus. Now, some of you get mad when I say that, but think about that. The cross is the end. We know there are some religions that believe that. We don't. If he's on the cross, resurrection without resurrection, we have no, we, we're finished. Death without resurrection is irrelevant. He died and was raised from the dead. And the Bible says in uh, Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3, He's now seated at the right hand of the majesty of heaven. He's ruling and reigning. That's where Jesus is. So we don't worship Him at the cross. We worship Him where He's seated. So come in through the cross and walk in the kingdom stuff here on earth and worship Jesus where He is, not where He was. I have more courage worshiping Jesus ruling and reigning than the one who was on the cross. Still on the cross. Is that, is that all right? I believe the kingdom of God provides a holistic understanding of salvation, including not only are we saved from, but what we save for. We are saved from death for freedom. We are saved from sin for our Savior. We are saved from the kingdom of darkness for the kingdom of light. To be saved into God's kingdom, to embrace God's rule, comprehensive rule over every aspect of our lives. Friends, it's a far cry from merely asking Jesus into your heart. It means a new life, a new identity, and a new kingdom. That's the emphasis of salvation. Number five, and I won't stay here. I've got two more. Suffering. I won't stay there, but that's a sign. That's a characteristic of the kingdom, suffering. Oh, don't go there. It's kingdom. It's new covenant, new testament, not old covenant, new. And I'm not going to stay there. I'm just telling you, suffering is a sign you're a kingdom person. And I know that we've been through some stuff. And I realize that we've been a blessed nation and are a blessed nation. Suffering is coming. They went through and encouraged the brothers to say, we must... To stay true to the faith, we must go through many hardships. That's what they said in Acts 14. We must go through many hardships in order to enter the kingdom of heaven, they said. The message of his encouragement is hardship. But the reason it was encouraging, because it was a kingdom message, not a church message. People leave the church when hardship kicks in because we make it about the church. Kingdom people understand hardship's part of the package. It's not... We grin and bear it. We've been called by God. We've got a kingdom that is suffering is part of it. Persecution. Jesus said, blessed are those who are persecuted for my name's sake. 
I don't want to stay there, but I'm just telling you, it's a sign. So when you're feeling like, oh, the devil's at me, no, no, or God's left me, because you preach that, like the, the God, if you're struggling, God's no longer with you. Really? Not sure what Bible that's in. I would love to find that scripture, because that would be great. <laughs> Very quiet. I understand no one gets excited about that. But Number six, sending out and multiplying. This is where I want to just highlight for a moment. You cannot claim to be kingdom if you're not multiplying. It's kind of like we hold on. If we church focus, it's all about filling the building. If it's kingdom focus, it's about multiplication at every level. Addition's not the language of kingdom. Multiplication is. Here's what I've learned. Please hear this. If we plant churches, we may make disciples. But this I want to tell you. If you're making disciples, you will plant church. I know church planters who go out and plant it. We're all about church planting. We do it all over the world. But it's not a guarantee you'll make disciples because some churches get busy with membership and people and they forget they're actually there to disciple, uh, disciple followers, followers of Jesus making followers of Jesus. And, and so we might, it's not just a cliche, there's some ground to take in this region, in this place. And can I just say it means multiplying and planting churches across this region and across this nation. Not them, us. You might sit here and say, well, I'm not called to plant a church. How do you know? Because I don't want to. That means nothing. <laughs> God might be picking you. And I'm not saying go do it because you're not happy where you are. But I am telling you, there's some room, people in this room who are church planters called by God. And it's not you go set up a building. And there's many ways to plant a church. But it's just simply multiplying kingdom advancement because we're about the kingdom of God. And we're taking God's word and we're going, you can't commute to community. You've got to go and set up community and impact community. And you can't get everyone to drive to some building. So we go be amongst the people. We go and it's multiplication, friend. It's, it's the language of heaven. And so where most churches don't want to go there because it, I believe multiplication is the key to anything that's kingdom. Someone said that a church that values performance over discipleship will produce performers, not disciples. And I'm going to say that a church without a kingdom vision always becomes selfish and self-serving. Now, I was recently in Australia, a recent couple of times, but the one time I was in uh, Darling Harbour in Sydney. Anyone been there? It's a great place, beautiful place. And there's wonderful boats. I mean, listen, some of the glory, and like on the, on, on the harbour front, like catamarans and, I mean, these awesome love boats and... <laughs> I'm just like, wow. And then right next to you is the Maritime Museum. Right next to them. And there's this warship, battleship. And I'm telling you, it's ugly. It's got cannons. It's got nowhere to lay out. There's nothing attractive about that. I'm telling you, the other catamarans, they got, I mean, it's like made for pleasure. I tried to move different ways so I didn't have to see that ugly. But every time it's like, the Lord, that's my church. I want my church to be a mission people. Not an attraction where you all get to hang out and enjoy. It's a mission to what we're doing here. I'm telling you, if I was in a war, in a battle, I would rather have that battleship come save me than have the love boat come find me. <laughs> I'm serious. And now today's church is operating like a love boat. And the early church was a lifeboat. And I'm just saying, we've got to shift our focus back to kingdom understanding. Not feel bad. Get the revelation of God. And multiplication. Church is not a waiting room for heaven. 
It's not. You know, let me just land with it. If you're church focused, it's about growth. If you're kingdom focused, it's about impact. If you're church focused, about addition. Kingdom focused, multiplication. Church focused, what can we get? Grow, kingdom, uh, church focus is shakeable. Kingdom, fo- kingdom church is un- uh, focus is unshakable. Church focus is branding. I'm not anti-branding, all right? It's all about branding. Kingdom church is about glorifying. Church focus is all about excellence. Kingdom focus is about authenticity. Church focus is pressure. There's always pressure when you're church focused. Kingdom focus is about presence. Church focus is filling buildings. Kingdom focus is filling the earth. Church focus is control. Kingdom focused is order, not control. Church focused implodes. Kingdom focus empowers. Church focus gather. Kingdom focus is go. Church focus is stay. Kingdom focus is Send. Church pleasing Him. Very different. It's a season to take new ground in this season. Church planting is on the agenda. It's multiplication time because we understand kingdom. The last thing I want to say is kingdom. Seven points. Number of completion. Perfect number. Note that. (laughs) Exactly. But this is real revelation. Let me just say this. The thing I love most about the kingdom is it gives everybody significance. If you understand kingdom and get the kingdom revelation, everything you do has significance. You see, when you've church focused, and listen, I've only known church. I'm a pastor, I've led churches, planted church. I'm not anti any of that because it's God's way. But here's what we've emphasized. The church is the most important thing. So what we do is if you don't play a role on Sundays when you gather, I've watched young guys have to, in an hour and a half, if that's how Godly, oh, some churches are an hour and a half, some maybe two, some are like 10. Pastors have made the church the focus. I'm just telling you this. You have a role to play on a Sunday, that's great. But it's not your role on a Sunday you play that gives you significance. It's kingdom understanding. Every day you do what you do is for the king and the kingdom. Business people in this room are as relevant as preachers in this room. And, and in this, the only way we'll break it is come back to kingdom. If you get kingdom, then everybody has a role to play in advancing, not growing the church, advancing the kingdom. Suddenly we have significance to everything we do. Mothers are significant. Parents are significant. Children find their significance, not in the church, in the kingdom of God. And forever we've said this, if you were to die tonight, where would you spend eternity? We've always asked that question, and it's a good question and the right question, but there's another question as relevant, which is more relevant to all of us in this room. If you are to wake up tomorrow, which is likely for most, who or what will you live for? That is as relevant as it gives you significance to everyday life. Through the mundane, through the challenge, through the good, through the bad, it gives you significance. A life of significance comes through an understanding of you're part of the kingdom of God. Then we don't see people fighting for position in the church. We find freedom to be who God's called us to be, equal value everywhere. Business men and women finding their place, not funding the pastor, finding their place in the kingdom of God. Business entrepreneurial, breaking open regions and cities, making space for churches to be established and planted. Read the book of Acts. You'll see hand in hand, everyone had a place and a role to play because they got the kingdom understanding. 
For too long, we've made it about if you play a role in the church meeting, that's your value. Wrong. You never see Jesus ever talk about that. I'm not devaluing that. I'm trying to create value for everyone. And the kingdom of God, everybody wins. Are you there? Now, I've, I've had the privilege stroke pain of not being able to travel a lot through COVID, but it forced me to stay home and it forced me to recognize the harvest in my, in my city. I'm used to standing on stages. I'll be honest with you. I found my value in stages of thousands of leaders and thousands of people all over the world because that's what I do. I go and preach to, in our ranks all over the world. And I was forced not to be able to do that through this crazy season. And I suddenly thought, what's the point? What am I doing? And I actually realized that there are people in my city, at the gym, people that are actually are lost. And so I had to begin to utilize those moments and reach those people. And I realized that God loves those people as much as He loves me standing on stages preaching to thousands of leaders. We have to see the seasons we're in. And the more I connected with those individuals, here's what I realized. Many of them are church and religious, but they have no significance. A millionaire, billionaire does with their time. And I did ask a guy once, what do you actually do all day? And that dude just broke down in tears. He said, I drink alcohol. I'm lost. I'm, I've got no significance. I, he just broke. He's got everything, but he's got nothing because he's got no significance. And I realized there's so many people out there who have no significance because they don't understand kingdom. But I also realized in the church, there are many who feel their roles irrelevant because they're not playing the role publicly in the church. But I want to say to you tonight, your role is as significant as me standing here preaching to you. I believe that 100%. And the only reason I can believe that is because I have an understanding of kingdom. Do you recognize the value of your life and significance? And if not, tonight, you've got to shift that focus back to it matters. I'm not gonna, we haven't got time for it. We're going to land in a minute. But I, I do want to just say, if you need to respond tonight to anything that's been said, there's a moment for you to do it right now. Don't wait till the end of this week or wait till you go home. Right here, right now. Just respond if you need to. Just maybe slip your hand up for it. Say, hey, Lord, that's me. I'm responding. I'm not going to ask you. I'm gonna go. Just do some business quickly in this room. Tonight, God wants to. Just put your hand up if you need to. God knows what you're dealing with. Just be free tonight to get stuff sorted out. Shake it off so we can break open ground. Thank you, Lord. Father, you see hands in this room that are your children, sons and daughters that you've called, chosen. I just ask tonight, true kingdom rule would come. The kingdom of God, the rule and reign of God would come in us so it can come through us. We don't want to go talk about a kingdom we have heard of. We want to talk about a kingdom we know, a king we know. Stuff that's been put on us by good people, but wrong truth. Would you just break it off in the name of Jesus? doesn't need deliverance and long hours. Just in this room, as we respond to you, respond to us, Lord. Let the rule of God, the kingdom rule, reign and rule of God, break in on us, over us. Come and rule and reign tonight. If people are sick in this room this evening, break in, bring the rule and reign of God. If there, if there are issues in marriages that are not redeemable, tonight we ask for you to come and rule and reign. 
If there are issues with relationships or partnerships or business or finances, Lord, whatever it be that's hindering tonight, would you just break over us, break in on us and let the rule and reign of God come. But I sense truly significance is a thing in this room tonight. If you're struggling with really finding significance all over this room, good people called by you, God, but have not found their worth because perhaps they haven't understood kingdom. But tonight, Lord, as hands have been raised, you know their hearts. Lord, tonight, would you just show them the value, not of what they do, of who they are. Would you just bring us all to a greater understanding? It is significant because you made it that way. What I do ask for genuine kingdom people to be raised up in the season. Not those who know about it, those who are walking in the kingdom of God for the king, the rule and reign. Jesus, we look to you tonight. We admire you. We adore you. We focus on you. You're the sovereign king of it all. You give significance to anything and everything. This kingdom has no value. Everything come under you. Everything we we're passionate about. Let it come under you tonight. Let this throne that we look to be, have a king seated there, ruling and reigning. I pray for greater revelation in these people, in my life and ours, of Jesus and who you really are. I do pray for signs and wonders and miracles. Not that we go after them, but for breakthroughs to come in this region where we will see a demonstration of the kingdom of God. I pray for multiplication. I ask tonight boldly that people in this room will plant churches, not one day in the next few months, perhaps in this year, not as an aspiring goal, but as a response, advancing the kingdom, making space and taking this good news to other places. I bless you tonight, God. We thank you for the opportunities we've been given and what's not. We don't waste our lives hoping we're doing what you've called us to. But you've shown us, come back to kingdom, the king and his kingdom first and only. Let us be those people we pray. We bless you tonight. Give you all the glory. In Jesus' name.